Heavenly Father, we want to be good hearers of your word. We pray today that you would impress that upon us and help us to become better listeners, help us to be better at putting the word, your word into practice. Uh, and pray that you'd um, minister to us uh, through what I have to say today from your word in a very deep way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it's a really strange book title I'll uh, share with you. This is a real book. Has anybody read it? Uh, it is called How to Read a Book. Has anybody re- read the book How to Read a Book? Uh, really? It's, it's been in print for 40 years. Uh, it's, it hasn't gone out of print for four decades. I uh, haven't seen that. It's actually supposed to be really good. I'm, I know that because I read a summary of it, which, which, is, which is true and kind of funny. But, it's, yeah, it's helped a lot of people read really actively and attentively to books and become better readers. Uh, that's, that's great. Uh, it's a little bit weird, though, because the obvious response is, have you read that? I can't read how to read a book. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a bit circular. Uh, today's sermon's a bit weird. It's how to listen to a sermon. Um, so as Jesus said, let anybody with ears, let them hear. Uh, it's kind of a dumb sermon, you might think initially. In fact, it's actually very practical. Uh, if you go to church for 20 years uh, each week, you'll have listened to over a thousand sermons. Uh, with that kind of time investment, you better take a little bit of time to think, well, what's the point of it? What am I supposed to get out of this? It's, it's worth thinking, how do I approach this thing called a sermon? What's a sermon? How am I supposed, what am I supposed to get out of it? Uh, how do I make the most of the sermons I hear? Uh, And and what does that even look like anyway? Has anybody ever been taught what you're supposed to get out of a sermon? Have you heard a sermon on how to listen to a sermon? Yeah? You think about it, we really should talk about it more. It just struck me. It's a little bit rare. We don't talk about it very much. Friends, we're in the middle of a series exploring what church is. Um, Two weeks ago, Stuart introduced the big idea of what church was about. Um, The next three weeks, we're going to talk about the purpose of church. And we're going to talk about three things. This week we're going to talk about churches, about gathering to hear God speak in the Bible. Next week we're going to hear that churches about gathering to serve one another. And the week after that we're going to hear that churches about gathering as a community of God's people. So hearing, serving, community. Um, Today we're talking about hearing God's word. And I actually think it's the most important of the three. Like they're all essential. They're all utterly essential. But hearing is the most important one. Because without the word of God and without hearing the word of God, the the other ones can't exist at all. Uh, so we're, we're talking about uh, something pretty crucial today. Uh, there's an interesting survey I heard years ago, a study, um, which I can't track down, so I hope I'm remembering it rightly, but it's interesting even if it's wrong. Um, they got together a bunch of people. Uh, well, let me ask you the question straight away. If you had to do without your hearing or without your vision, which one would you do without? You can't choose both. You have to do without one or the other. Just, just think to yourself, what would you do without? Would you do without your hearing or without your vision? Uh, they did a, a study where it was interesting because they asked a group of people who were blind and a group of people who were deaf that question. Uh, all of the people who were deaf said they would gladly uh, exchange their sight for being able to hear again. They're saying, I can see now, I'd love, I, I would trade in my sight to be able to hear again. Basically, all the blind people said they would continue to go without their sight so they could continue hearing. Both groups agreed. Hearing is more important. Uh, I, I don't know, you don't have to agree with that at all, but it's a pretty good metaphor for Christianity. See, Christians are ear people. We're listening people. That's, that, that's the shape of what, what being a Christian is. Faith comes from hearing the word and promises of God. Faith comes from hearing. This is what it says in Romans chapter 10. Um, 
I'm going to put some quotes up on the board today because uh, it'll just help us to get through them quicker. Um, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's how you become a Christian, right? You call on Jesus and say, I would love to be saved. Thank you for dying for me. And you become saved. You, you enter Jesus' kingdom. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, think about what that does for the importance of listening and preaching. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they uh, believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Christians are ear people. Where people, the, the primary thing, our life is the word of God. New life begins with your ears. New life grows by your ears. The progress of new life in your life is measured by your ears. And how well you're using your ears. Metaphorically. You can, of course, read, and that's kind of your ears. It's a, it's a metaphor. It's not just hearing it. Um, so you hear a lot of sermons. We preach sermons. What's the point of that? Here's the point of listening to sermons. Here's the goal. We have every sermon and all the sermons put together. Jesus is the one we proclaim, you could say preach, uh, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. What's the goal? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Friends, the point of sermons, the point that you should have when you come to church to hear the word of God is that you would grow to be like Jesus, to be more like him, and you would not be satisfied until the day you were just like Jesus. And sermons is that you would grow to know God, know his ways, apply godly perspective to all of life, that you'd live like Jesus. The point of sermons is that you would become fully mature in Christ, that you'd act and think like Jesus. That's what we're after. Let's zoom out a bit. Uh, That's what we're in for sermons. Let's just think about how sermons in the Bible relates to church. So the word church uh, in the Bible, it just means assembly, right? It just means gathering. It's actually not a religious word. Um, The way, originally the way they used the word, they didn't hear church and think religious connotations. So they just thought group of people getting together. So they used the word for church for uh, a political gathering, for a a riotous mob. In in chapter, in Acts, it uses the word church to refer to a, a mob in a riot. Sometimes political gathering and mob riot seem kind of the same thing. But it's, 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 just, it's just a gathering word. It's not a religious word. And so it's very striking. You get rid of the religious connotations of the word church. And the Christians chose to refer to themselves as a gathering. This is what they said to people. They said, we are the gathering of Jesus Christ. Get rid of the word church. It helps you hear it a little bit more originally, how they did. We're the assembly of Jesus. We're the gathering of Jesus. It's a little striking, isn't it? Why on earth do they think of themselves as the gathering of Jesus? Because of what their hope was. Because of what the future we wait for is. Uh, and hopefully if you were here two weeks ago, you can remember what that was. Uh, where is the ultimate gathering of Jesus' people? Not rhetorical. It's in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, does anybody uh, remember the four points of Stuart's sermon from two weeks ago? It's actually just the four points of the creed, so it's a little bit of help there. It's a description of this gathering we're waiting for. We believe in one holy, yeah, universal's there, one holy, universal, apostolic gathering. Church is the word, but gathering, that's all it means. It's one gathering. All God's people will be united together, gathered together around Jesus. It's holy because Jesus has made his church completely blameless and pure in his sight forever. So we can't be condemned. It's universal because there's no other church and anybody that belongs to this church 
as in the Christian church, Jesus' church, is part of that one church. It, it consists of Christians across the ages, across the whole globe, and they'll be gathered together in God's kingdom. It's apostolic because it's founded on the teaching of the apostles, which is passed on to us in the New Testament. We wait for that gathering in God's kingdom. And so we gather here today in anticipation of that day, waiting for that day where we'll be part of the great gathering, where church, Jesus' gathering community, uh, that's what we do. So we come to church, what are we here to do? Well, a few things. Uh, The central thing we're here to do, though, is to gather around God's words in order that we would hear them, that we would learn them, and that we would learn to obey them. That's, That's right in the middle of it. We gather around God's words in order to hear, learn, and obey. Now, in the Old Testament, you get the basic pattern for church. Uh, the first church in the Old Testament is actually where the whole concept really comes from. Does anybody uh, know the, uh, the first church in the Old Testament, what that is? Church in the Old Testament? Give you a clue. Here's the pattern of church. God saves his people, gathers to himself, churches them to himself, so that he can teach them his word. Where do we see that in the Old Testament? A big example of that. We looked at it last year. Moses, awesome. Yes. I was hoping we'd get that. But that's where we see the pattern. What happened is, God saved his people out of Egypt. He saved them from the Red Sea. Now they're his people. They belong to him. What did he do? He gathered them to himself down at Mount Sinai. That was the first church. God's people gathered to God. What did they do then? What was the first thing that happened? Ten Commandments. They received his word. And so uh, they actually gathered in order to hear uh, God's word. Now you've got to get the concepts right. This is how church works. People are saved... People who are saved are saved into the gathering, the church, in order to hear God's word to live his way. Uh, You see, it's the same pattern for us. You see it very clearly in uh, Deuteronomy. If this thing works, yes. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, This is Moses talking to them about that day where they had the church. Uh, Remember the day you stood before the Lord, your God at Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, when he said to me, assemble, that's literally just the word church, church the people before me, to hear my words so they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Church is about gathering to God to hear his word, to learn how to live by it. That's right at the middle of what church is about. And the other interesting thing that comes from this whole period is Moses becomes their preacher. With the word of God in his, in his hands, he stands between God and them and presents the word to them and to see them grow and to live uh, according to God's ways. And throughout Israel's history, we keep seeing them gathering to hear God's word. We see prophets and leaders teaching it to them, explaining how it applied to them, calling them to obey it. And if you want to summarise the central failing of God's people in the Old Testament, it's that they failed to listen. God speaks and they fail to listen. That's the central sin of God's people in the Old Testament. Then Jesus comes along. Jesus comes along in Matthew 16, 16. He says, I will build my church. I'll build my gathering. He's talking about that universal gathering that's in the kingdom of heaven in the future and which we wait for. But he knows that we're prone to the same weaknesses as Israel was. We're prone to deafness. We're prone to sinful stubbornness and dullness of listening. And so when he came proclaiming his message, preaching his message and inviting people to come into it, a basic concern of his was that people would hear it rightly. If you've got Luke chapter 8 there, have a look what Jesus says. And there's just one half a verse that I want us to... It's really the central thing we're looking at today. It's verse 18. The first sentence there. 
you want to know the big idea of today's sermon, here it is. Jesus says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. He's just given a parable about hearing rightly. And he says to them all, Take responsibility for how you listen. Be careful how you listen. Make sure you listen rightly to the word of God. Now, uh, preaching receives a lot of bad press these days. Uh, it's uh, looked down upon in a lot of ways. It's, uh, there's a semi-famous description of it, which is fairly insulting. Uh, a monstrous monologue by a moron to mutes. It's kind of interesting. Uh, anyway, outsiders see it long, as long, boring and irrelevant. Insiders see it as, I hope, not long, boring and irrelevant. But I think a lot of Christians struggle to know what's the point of sermons. And... Uh, why are we here? Why are we listening to it? What difference should it make? And so we can get very, very cynical about sermons very easily, can't we? Jesus commands us today to consider carefully how we'll listen. So friends, it's my conviction, it's actually my experience as well, that biblical preaching should be the biggest factor in your growth as a Christian. That's what I believe. It should be the biggest factor, I think. Uh, I'm not worried if it's not, if there's bigger factors, but it should at least be a very, very big factor if we're doing it rightly. Uh, And where sermons lead to little life change, there's lots of reasons. Often they're focused on the preacher, aren't they? Uh, He wasn't interesting enough, he wasn't clear enough, he wasn't entertaining enough. Uh, It's certainly worth preachers improving their skills. Lots of books about that and they're thoroughly worthwhile. But here's the thing. The communication skills of a preacher are not the most important factor in how powerful a sermon is. Far from it. They're not the most important factor. They're not the thing that makes a sermon life-changing. In fact, if a preacher is faithful to the Bible and is communicating the, the content of the Bible and is competent, not awesome, just competent at communicating the Bible to people and there isn't life change going on, I can almost guarantee it's not the preacher's problem. <laughs> That's not the problem that's going on at that point. It's more likely got to do with the listeners not coming ready to listen. See, friends, it's striking when you look at the literature on preaching and we need to get preaching right so the preaching's powerful and that sort of thing. If you read the Bible, there's very little content about how to preach. I challenge you to open any double-page spread in the Bible, though, and it will tell you how to listen to the Word of God. That's where the focus is, isn't it? Listener expectations in any communication... It's one of the biggest factors on how significant the communication is. Listener expectations, listener eagerness to hear what's being said. See, if you expect to hear something significant, you will naturally listen carefully. If you're eager to hear, you'll force aside the things distracting you and you'll focus. That's that's just how communication works. Here's part of the problem for us today. Part of the problem is our expectations for preaching and for all communication has been shaped by digital media. Uh, In in digital entertainment, the responsibility for listening has been taken away from the listeners and been given to the person speaking. You watch TV and you are not thinking about taking responsibility for listening to what's being presented. What you're saying to the show, in effect, is entertain me and force me to watch you or I will change the channel. Isn't that what we do? That's what I do. If I don't like it, I change the channel, I turn it off, I do something else. See, I expect listening to basically be the presenter's job in entertainment these days. If it takes any effort, I'm not willing to do it. Now, this is, it's it's a different type of listening. It's called passive listening. 
Uh, passive listening takes very, very little, very little energy, little effort. It's the reason it's possible to watch TV for long hours into the night after you should have gone to bed because it takes so little effort. It's just brainless. It's easy. But then people come to church and bring those expectations to a sermon and, in effect, think very easily, I'm going to sit passively, I'm going to take it in, let it wash over me, and if it doesn't work, that's the preacher's shortcoming. There's the problem. Well, there's a problem, a significant problem. See, friends, listening, real listening, is a very active activity. It's not a passive activity. And if you treat listening to the Bible as a passive activity, well, it will not do you any good. Very unlikely it will do you any good. In the Bible, the responsibility for listening to the word of God belongs to the hearer. That means working hard at listening, being eager to hear, being prepared to hear. Now, I want to say, Stuart, I know, believes this, and I do as well. We are very passionate about teaching the Bible in a way that's clear and interesting and faithful to what the Word of God actually says. And we work hard at that, and we're going to continue working hard at that. What we want to focus on today is the biggest factor in communication, which isn't how awesome we are at communicating. It's the expectations and eagerness you bring to listen to the Word of God each week. That's the biggest factor, biggest human factor anyway. Jesus talks about it in this parable, the parable of the soils. Ah, it's Jesus' church. (laughs) The parable of the soils. Uh, t- there was a second Bible reading there. Uh, the parable of the soils, it describes four different types of ground, basically, and each one is a different type of listener. Now, it applies to different parts of being a Christian. It's kind of a big picture. It's about how you respond to the Word of God, and so it's about more than listening to sermons. But it's not less than listening to sermons. It has a great deal to say about how we listen to sermons uh, and uh, what determines the effectiveness of the message in each case is the listener in the parable. So have a look at, uh, Jesus says, consider carefully how you listen at the end of this parable. Have a look at chapter 8, verse 12, and look at each soil one by one. The first soil isn't really a soil, it's a path. Uh, the, uh, the, the sower comes along and throws seed about. The seed is the word of God. It's the message being preached. This guy's preaching to different soils, and some of the, the seed lands on a path. Verse 12. Uh, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. It's the uninterested listener. Uh, I've met a lot of people who... uh, All the examples I'm giving today are not about you, so don't freak out. Uh, I've met a lot of people who just aren't interested in the Word of God. Uh, They're just bored with it. It doesn't matter how good the communication is, that's not the factor. They're just not interested in the content. And the text says it's actually a spiritual battle... See, friends, all communication is a challenge, isn't it? You've got to work at it. You've got to try and take it in. It doesn't matter what the context is. If you're going to gain something from it, you have to listen. But there's an additional challenge here, and that's that Satan doesn't want you to listen. He doesn't want you to take it seriously. He wants you to just remember the funny stories, and he wants you to have no sense that you encountered God in his word today. That's what Satan wants. So when you listen to the Bible being taught, realize you aren't just working to listen. You're working against Satan and with the Spirit of God to be changed by the Word of God. There's a spiritual battle being going on each week here and every time you open the Bible and read it carefully, actually. The second soil, listener number two, is the rocky soil. Um, Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the Word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but at the time of testing they fall away. This is the uh, superficial, enthusiastic listener. The person who comes... I've had lots of people 
uh, I, I love your feedback, uh, by the way. It's encouraging. I'm not having a go at that at all. Uh, but sometimes I hear people come up to me and they say, that was an awesome sermon. It's like, great. And then it's very clear they haven't listened to it. They haven't understood it. They haven't engaged with it. And they're actually not all that interested. It's just superficial, enthusiastic, wasn't that great. Hasn't, they haven't counted God in any meaningful way. They haven't looked at the word of God in any meaningful way at all. And it does them no good. The third listener is verse 14. The seed that fell among the thorns. It stands for those who hear, but they go away and they're just obsessed by, they're choked by, life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Distracted by sport, distracted by family, distracted by money, distracted by holidays, distracted by everything but God and the gospel. And it prevents them becoming mature in Christ and they wither and fall away and sermons do them no good. It doesn't matter how good the sermon is. The sermon does them no good because of the soil they are. In contrast, verse 15, there's those who listen. The seed that on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. That's talking about life change that Colossians uh, 1.28 was talking about, becoming mature in Jesus. Gradually, by, notice it says retaining it, working hard at listening, at, at, at remembering what was taught, putting effort into actively listening. What is the source of their spiritual growth? They listen to sermons. They listen to the word of God being proclaimed with an open ear and eager heart, eager to retain what was said, and over time they are transformed by it as they each week just engage with the word of God. Very normal activity, and their lives are never the same again. And so Jesus says, verse 18, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Consider carefully when you come to church and listen to the word of God, which soil are you? Basically what Jesus is saying is, take responsibility for how you listen to the word of God. Listen carefully, listen eagerly, listen eager to obey and be changed, take responsibility for listening. I've got to say, I think, if you've been a Christian for a while, I think this is a struggle, it's a struggle for me, I imagine it's a struggle for a lot of you. If you've been a Christian for a while, one of the biggest dangers for you is your enthusiasm for listening to God's word dwindles. And you just go through the motions. You turn up to church and listen to sermons because it's what you do and you haven't actually thought for a long time about why you're doing it. What am I supposed to get out of this? Uh, the book of Hebrews speaks to that. It speaks to some backsliding Christians in a very dangerous situ- uh, position. They become critical, careless listeners. They become dull of hearing, he says. Here's what it says. He says to them, here's the centre of their danger that's threatening them being Christians now still. It says, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. Friends, it takes absolutely no effort to become dull of hearing. Don't try, and you'll become dull of hearing. It's just default passive setting, isn't it? I, I'm not try- Listening takes effort. You have to try to listen. And if you put no effort in, you'll be dull of hearing. That's where you'll end up. Listening's active. It takes ongoing effort. It takes responsibility for hearing well. Consider carefully how you listen. That's what Jesus calls us to. Now, does anybody except Luke Barnes, who I don't think is here anymore? That's all right, because he's around the corner. That's good, because he'll know what this is. Does anyone here know what SETI is? Yeah, you guys all look like you're in science fiction, which is probably kind of linked. Um, 
SETI is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. It's a serious network of scientists. Um, uh, four days ago, a scientist from SETI claimed that we will find an alien civilization by 2040. Uh, in the next two, two decades, we'll find one. He's, he's deadly serious because we're finding more planets and they seem basically habitable and there has to be civilizations. It's, it's fascinating to me. Not search for extraterrestrial life, like, you know, a little few cells. They're looking for civilizations and they expect to find it. Uh, they're deadly serious and they are pouring massive amounts of money and energy into hearing messages from imagined aliens. Uh, they ha currently have 42 of these sorts of dishes set up, looking for it. They're trying to get funding for no up to 350 of them. They're deadly serious about finding messages from another world. They have an insatiable thirst for a word from another world. Now, I want you to think for a minute. What will happen if a SETI scientist gets anything that they think is a message from another world? How will they listen to it? It doesn't... <laughs> One second of garbled static that they think is from another world, how, much million, how many hours, how many dollars will they pour into analysing that signal? Beyond calculation, they will pour their lives into it, I guarantee. They're desperate for a word from another world and they'll expend everything they have. Painstaking attentiveness to details. They'll be utterly prepared to listen well. They won't miss the weightiness of it. And I tell you what, they won't care how good the alien preacher is. They won't care. What they'll care about is here is a message and I want to understand it and I will do everything I can to understand it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a word from another world. Better than that, we have a word from beyond all worlds. We have a word from a God who is transcendent, who is outside time and space. See, all we've got is communication from the creator, almighty, creating God of all things who wants to save us, invite us into his family and teach us how to live the way we were designed to live. That's all we've got. <laughs> how do we listen to that word? How actively do you listen to that word? Do you listen with the care, the eagerness, the enthusiastic energy of a SETI scientist with a suspected alien transmission? That's what Jesus is getting at. It's a startling contrast. Friends, if, I think if you put more energy into listening and increase your energy in listening, you'll be startled at how God will change you. That's my conviction. Please turn to Isaiah chapter 66, uh, that first Bible reading. It's on page 748. 748. This God beyond everything, the almighty creator who is beyond time and space entirely, tells us the sorts of people he esteems, the sorts of people he thinks highly of. 66, chapter 66, it's page um, 748. Verse 1, it says, This is what the Lord God says. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where's the house you'll build for me? What will my resting place be? Israel wants to build God a temple, but he's beyond all physical restraints. Uh, it doesn't really work very well, saying, well, let's just make sure you understood which God you're dealing with here. Verse 2, has not my hand made all these things so, that, so they came into being, declares the Lord? And here's the key verse. I love this verse. Uh, mark it, memorise it. It's really important. These are the ones who I look on with favour. Here's the people I think highly of, is what God says. Those who are... Humble, 
contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Humble means they recognize their place under God, they recognize God's God, they're not, and that he knows best. Contrite means that people come knowing that they're broken and sinful and they need to recognize their sins and come repentant, asking God's forgiveness. But the thing we're talking about today is especially, it's all together, but especially trembling at God's word. It's talking about people for whom God's word really is God's word. It really is that almighty God who is beyond all things, who created and sustains all things. It's his word. And they're eager to know what it means. Trembling at God's word means knowing God knows better than I do. Now, let me just make this comment, uh, because I don't know where I'll sort of fit in a preaching series. Um, In preaching the Bible, Stuart and I are going to say some things sometimes that you don't like. Uh, Sometimes, frankly, it will be because we say it with a complete lack of sensitivity, or because it is downright dumb. Uh, That will happen. Uh, Please forgive us. We'll do that occasionally and we'll ask your grace. Um, But at other times, it won't be because of that. At other times, it'll be because you don't like what the Bible has to say on the topic. Because we all struggle with sin and we all have areas of our lives that the Word of God hasn't done its work on yet. Your temptation is going to be to transfer the blame for anything you don't like on the preacher rather than on recognising your issues, the sin that stands between you and God. See, trembling at God's Word means, I don't like this. But God says it, therefore it's my problem, not God's. It means I must have to have so much of my understanding reshaped for me to not like this. I must be so wrong at so many levels. I really need to have a whole, what's the word, renovation of my understanding of this topic and tremble at what God has to say because he's God. Now, You might have been listening to all of this and think, okay, yes, yes, the Bible's important, we listen to the Bible, we need to be careful how we listen to the Bible, but why preaching? Why do you have to get up in church? Can't I just have my Bible here? I can read it, I can understand it, I can do it myself. Uh, We need to talk about that for a moment because we're talking about preaching, we're talking about sermons today. First thing I want to say is, yes, you should read the Bible yourself. It's a great gift that we have the Bible in understandable English you can read it and profit from. Um, On the other hand, I want to say you'd be foolish to expect that to work all on your own by yourself. Um, it's, it's actually a topic that Protestant churches for a long time have really been confused about. Um, we believe in the Bible alone, which people take as, I can sit down with the Bible in the woods and come out with all the truth of Christian theology all on my own and make no mistakes and, and figure it out, which isn't what it means at all. You can't work it out yourself. You can work it a lot by yourself, and you should read the Bible yourself because you'll gain a great deal from it, but you can't get it all on your own, and you'll make mistakes on your own. You require the help of other people. And so God doesn't leave us on our own. He gives pastors and teachers to preach the word who are gifted in that way to do that so we can grow to maturity in Jesus. And Ephesians 4 talks about that. Uh, Stuart probably will talk a bit more about this next week, but we're focusing just now on the pastors and teachers. It says, Christ gave gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to do what? To equip his people for the works of service so the body of Christ, the church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. There's that word again. It's Colossians 1.28 again. The point of sermons, the point of why God gives pastors and teachers to preach the word is towards your maturity in Christ. That's why we have pastors who preach. It's part part and parcel of being a pastor, proclaiming the word of God, helping build people up, training people in the word of God so we can all grow in maturity in Jesus. Because not one of us, Stuart and I included, can do it alone. 
and we'd be happy to name a bunch of teachers we profit from regularly and have in the past. Now, it's a practical sermon. I'd like to finish with uh, how to listen to sermons. How are you going to be careful how you listen to seven points? Seven points of application, practical tips for taking responsibility for how you listen to God speak. Uh, Here they are, actively listening to sermons. First one, pray. Uh, When was the last time you prayed for a sermon? For yourself to be a good listener of it? It's a spiritual battle. When was the last time you prayed about it? When was the last time you prayed for your preacher? I think Stuart and I uh, should be expecting more of this from you. C.H. Spurgeon, the great preacher, said, if my congregation will not pray for me, I will not preach for them. Uh, I think he's right, Um, and I haven't had that attitude. So can I, uh, I'm not going to boycott the pulpit or anything, but I am going to say, can you please pray for us? If you want powerful sermons that lead to life change, pray for us. Pray for yourself and pray it would be that kind of experience and pray for each other. That's got to be the first number one thing. Second thing I want to say to you, and this is a big thing, this is uh, one of the things that makes good listeners, expect. Your expectations in any communication shape how you'll hear it. Some of the great speeches in history are remembered verbatim because people expected to hear a great speech in history. That's why they can remember it off by heart by hearing it once. Uh, I don't expect you to hear all our sermons and memorise them or anything like that, but it's just about expectation leads to hearing it more attentively. Expect God to speak through his word when you come to church. Sit down, tell yourself God is going to speak to us today. Expect it to be significant. Expect it to be an opportunity to be humble, contrite, and to tremble before God, to hear what he has to say and be transformed. Expect God to speak through his word. Third thing, um, take responsibility for listening attentively. Little things make a difference. I'm serious about this. Make sure you get enough sleep the night before. Make sure you've eaten breakfast. Have coffee if that's a biological requirement for you. Whatever you need to do that's a practical matter to hear the word of God, well, do it. Arrive early enough to church to give yourself a chance to feel relaxed and ready to be here. That's part of taking responsibility for being ready to listen. Try to develop, I know this is a challenge for a lot of families, it's a big deal. Try to develop a family routine for Sunday morning that doesn't leave everyone feeling frazzled and upset. Because frazzled and upset people have another communication hurdle to get through before they can hear very well. Most of all, don't expect the preacher to grab you with his speaking skills. Come as an active participant in listening, not a passive bystander. I heard it really well put this week. Um, It said, if you catch yourself saying, I didn't get much out of that sermon, ask yourself, how much did I bring to that sermon? Was I there? Was I prepared? Was I active or was I passive? Train yourself to grow as a listener. Take responsibility for listening actively and, and grow in that. Everybody can grow as a listener. That's, uh, it's an area of learning everybody can grow in. Uh, fourth thing, have a Bible open in front of you. Uh, all authority we have is from the Bible. Check that we're actually teaching it. Have it open in front of you. Make notes in your margin, whatever helps you. But have your own Bible. Follow it. Check that we're following the Bible. Um, you might find it helpful to take notes that aid your memory. I'm not going to tell you to do that. But we're taking responsibility for listening actively and, and, and taking responsibility for learning towards our own maturity. So work out what works for you. Uh, we can give you outlines. If that helps you, tell us. Uh, if you want to take notes, do it. Some people write little notes in the margin of their Bible that help them understand this passage that they heard today. That's great. Work out what works for you in taking notes and helping you remember and, and dwell on it later. It should be all obvious, but respond to the word of God and work hard at changing. Uh, don't walk away from engaging with God, failing to respond and change. And don't put it off because time lets it escape our mind. 
think, how am I going to apply this today? And the last thing I just want to say, actively listening to sermons, reflect on the sermon and talk it through with other people. Talk it through with yourself. Talk to yourself about the sermon. Talking to yourself is perfectly healthy. Sometimes the only way to know that you're getting sensible conversation in return. Sometimes talk to your church family about it. Let's have real conversations about what we heard today, uh, what we struggled with, what we want to push deeper with. Talk to your family about it. Talk to your kids about it. Talking together about it and how we're going to live by it is going to be one of the big uh, ways we take responsibility for listening well and being changed by the word of God. Uh, let me just fin- finish with this uh, story. Um, I, um, when I finished high school, I went to university, and when I was at university, I joined a Christian group. Uh, the Christian group, they all went to this conference called Midyear Conference, which is in the middle of the year, obviously. Uh, it was a Christian conference where a guy called Philip Jensen would get up each night and preach for an hour and a half. Uh, we studied the Bible during the day. It was fairly full on. Um, a lot of people found it a great time of growth and life change, and I certainly did. Here's the thing that struck me, though. It wasn't, Philip's an awesome preacher. He really is, but that wasn't the reason. Uh, one of the biggest factors that struck me from the very first night was that people expected God to speak. They, they were attentive. Nobody told me to listen. I looked around. People had books out. They were ready to take notes. People's eyes were focused. They weren't fidgeting. People were ready to listen because they expected God to speak. They expected to change. And they did change, and God did speak, and it was an amazing experience because of listener expectations, largely. Now, I've got to say, I've never experienced that kind of culture in a church, but there's no reason why we shouldn't. In fact, I would love to be able to say, New Life Anglican Church is the only place I have experienced that in a Sunday church, where there's such a culture of people coming attentive to God's word that it's contagious that people want to know what God says and they expect to be changed by it. And that'll strike people when they visit us as well and perhaps they'll want to know more about this God as well because of how you're listening, how we're listening. I hope that's a challenging sermon for you. I hope it helps you listen to uh, sermons better and I hope it helps us to move forward in Jesus together. How about I pray that uh, God would help us with that. Loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken from outside time and space with human words uh, to us in ways we can understand and we can profit from. Uh, We want to confess that so often we have taken your word for granted and we have not treated it like your word and we have not been ready to listen. Uh, We repent of that attitude. We want to ask you to help us to repent of that attitude and identify it when it's happening and to uh, take responsibility for hearing carefully what you have to say regardless of how well the preacher says it or that sort of thing, please help us to take responsibility for hearing well. But we don't want that to just be the end in itself. Father, we want to ask that through the experience of hearing your word here each week, it would be clear that you were at work among us, that we would see life change dramatically, that we would see people have real conversations about your word And that people who come and join us and observe what we do would say, wow, these people take God seriously. And we want to pray that we would, in 2014, through these sort of normal process of hearing your word regularly, see each one of us grow to be more like Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen.